if you're a dentist and you're growing, you get romantic about one day someone's going to give me this bananas offer, right? And that becomes like the, the, your drive maybe. As going through this several times, and, and Trey, I think you alluded to kind of feeling the same way when we talked about this, right. is that there's a lot of realizations when someone's willing to give you a check to to walk away or to buy your business. And you have to, you have to pause for a second and think, who's the dummy here? Is it me or is it them? Right. Who's getting the better, who's getting the best deal. Um, and even when it's a bananas offer, let's just say, right. Something that's, let's call it 250% of your top line revenue or 200% of your top line revenue. And you think like, holy shit, this is a lot of money. When you start to reverse engineer, okay, I'm going to get this up front because it's not going to be all the money up front. We've all, we all, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this pod, right? It's, it, the cash that closes this, the stock you're going to get is this, that this is, unless you're selling from one person to another, at which point multiples and stuff don't go into play. Right. So you have to kind of reverse engineer. Okay. This is the cash at close is potentially all I'm going to get. Now my tax rate's going to be this. Okay. And now I'm left with X in the bank. How does that compare to the cash flow that you get from running a business? Do you have anything? Because if not, I can roll. You roll, man. Okay. You roll. I okay. thought you were going to do it. You got Chat GPT one. No, 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 no. You know what? Actually, it's funny. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I tried. I actually tried. I could not convince. It was basically saying, I will not do this because that's mean, essentially, right? I will not roast because that's mean. And I couldn't hack my way through prompts to get it to do it. Yeah, I was kind of like, and usually you can, you can, you can hack is if GPT gives you some pushback on something saying, well, I'm not really qualified to do that. You, you just say, well, act, act like this person, act like this person right. gave me the response, right? They will do it via, via proxy almost. Right. right. It would not, it wouldn't do it. Right. And then it didn't have enough context on like who we were, right. As much as I tried to give it. Um, so anyway, it was, it was a fun idea and I was, I was hoping we could do it. A chat. <laughs> and I, chat roast but guess what dwight you are safe from disruption in this department for an hacker (laughs) (laughs) i give myself another year of no disruption right yes by by the time gpt4 comes around you probably you're probably screwed i'm right yeah yeah, yeah, the more content we output here to give it more content (laughs) like maybe i am feeding future roasts like maybe that's the way to go but we started not on this call. We should have ro- all three had an individual roast for him. Not yeah, sure. you know what? As an as a I don't know, sensey pants. He might not. He might not. <laughs> it might yeah. not work. Well. That was what I realized that he was getting a little upset because it was after all my roasts started going in. He was like, "Dwight, you've changed." Dwight, you push him hard. Um, speaking of the G- Chat GPT, have you guys seen? The, did you guys see the reveal from Google's answer of in response to? Because there was tremendous amount of pressure on Google. Everyone was saying, holy shit, this disrupts. This changes it from a search engine marketing to a find engine, right? We've always been searching for the answer, and now we're now we're finding. And now GPT is allowing us to find it. So it's changing the whole dynamics of Bard. Uh, that, that, yeah. And so they answered with Bard, correct, Dwight? And do y'all know what happened? Did y'all, did y'all, did y'all see what happened? 
messed it up, huh? Did man. So there was a team that was that was responsible for. I guess they did this. They did this in another country. I want to say it was Spain. Um, and they were announcing some other things like new features on Google Maps and whatnot. But basically, they were kind of saying, "Hey, hey!" And now we're announcing Bard in in response to Chat GPT. Well, what happened was someone asked as they tested it. Someone asked, "Hey, Bard." What's the new developments for the James Webb telescope that I can tell my nine-year-old about? And it responded and it said, you know, basically it incorrectly showed a picture of a telescope um, that took the first pictures of our solar system. And basically there was, there, you know, the, 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 me the meteorologist or the uh, astrology world kind of was like, no, it's incorrect. We've, we actually had pictures from 2004. Wait, long story short, it essentially, their one debut at this smart computer model yep. incorrect gave an incorrect answer. So they lost 7% of their share price, which was how much was that? A hundred billion dollars. <laughs> they lost oh. in, the, in a day. Ouch. Um, Whoops. And so they are behind, they are, they are, it is, it is apparently code red at, not that I freaking know, but I mean, you know, from what I hear on the Twitter web is that it's code red at, uh, you know, Google and a lot of people got fired for that for that presentation because it was just a colossal failure. Um, That's the equivalent of uh, Elon Musk sharing his Tesla truck, the Cybertruck, and then showing bulletproof windows. And then, you know what, yeah. Dwight? I, I would agree with you on that. Right. There's been some like catastrophic reveals, right? Right. Right. But but Twitter, but but didn't the truck sales go like off the charts from? Oh yeah, yeah. Either way, just even those crazy funky looking truck, it's still like. What can you have access to? But that's a consumer. Right. right. But I think the reserve, there is, I mean, I've got a reservation for one just because like, yeah, all right, one, me too. Yeah. Just it, but... Trey, do you have one? I don't. But... Oh man. I believe I'll, we're gonna get I'll sell mine to you. <laughs> um, anyway, it was just, it was an interesting thing, right? Because in that, to me, it was a great example of like, of rushing to, to the consensus of what people wanted you to do. Right. And so it was like, Hey, do this. And we're waiting for a response. And they rushed to it and they, and they shift the bed yeah. and to the tune of a hundred million dollar mistake, they will probably recover. But I think that, you know, look, it's like, we always talk about, even with dentistry, it's first mover advantage you have. Yeah. And when you have first mover advantage, you get, you get to run, you get to create the rules, so to speak. So playing catch up sucks as we've all done that in either market we've, we've entered or, or a startup we've done or a practice we've acquired or, you know, playing catch up sucks. So. That was my loop back to the dentistry. Especially when you're a distant second. Yeah. True story. True story. It's almost, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, when someone's clawing into position, it never comes out as, as nice as it needs to be, right? Everybody's got the advantage on that, but you've almost got to reinvent yourself with a totally new perspective on what it is you're doing. And I think that's what initially Bard just tried to come out just strong but then they, you know, they lofted little balls at it. And I'm like, you, you got to control the environment. This is your, your first jump in. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a sad showing to say the least, especially being Google, um, because that is their biggest fear this year is that Google search will be disrupted. And this will be, you know, that look at how they make, I mean, that's whole, the whole business model makes money. And, you know, we saw on kind of the all in podcast, how, how profitable search is. Yeah. You know, I think they're 93% of the industry right now. 93% and the yeah. profit margin is literally like from a compute standpoint is literally like they make like 90% of the dollars they make. Yeah, 
and they they just literally i mean i think it was uh, chamath was saying like they can't they can't find ways to spend all the money they're making and so this disruption could be costly you know and, and so i'm pretty bullish on 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 microsoft and uh you know bill gates oh he's a whatever um did you guys oh, i don't want to get you know i didn't want to get into like a political and a code yeah, thing but, a good bit of good bit of fail you know, but he's, he's still you know he's so whatever that was that was actually the funniest part of did you guys watch the australian open i did not i missed out at the tennis australian open i mean you know it. you know who won Djokovic yeah. won oh yeah so, and he was banned the prior year so oh that's right that's right yeah, yeah. gates is in the audience in the finals and like and it was banned the year prior in australia because of COVID, because not taking the right the, yeah, yeah. And um and so to come back and win like you it was like the internet was you know Twitter of course was going funny with it like saying imagine imagine banning this person and them coming back and winning and the you know the taste of victory blah blah blah. <laughs> um, well, go to your previous comment. I think that there will be an AI part of every single podcast you do this year because it's it's rapidly progressing and blowing and going and now there's talks about whether it can lie whether it can do this so. I, I would be surprised if every time we get on, there's a little piece of something that's developed. So, and I would I would encourage people like to encur to encourage that or or mute that on us because we live in this echo chamber. And so, comment if you like. Think like Sharice actually said. I was talking to her the other day, and she's like, "I know you've been mentioning AI and stuff a lot on your pod." Yeah. And I was like, "Am I? You know, you don't want to become so yeah. in your own head that like that becomes like you think what's important for everybody else to hear." Well, to just to just because I think it's important. I mean, we had little office hours with the mastermind earlier today, and I mean, there was a little AI talk at the beginning, just cause one little comment, and then that spiraled into, well, what should we be prepping our practices for? Like, what are the things? And I think that that was a cool. I mean, that right, that morphed into a KPI and a get your head out of the sand. And what are we like, for? what are we looking for? And I mm -hmm. think that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're going to live in this environment, and as every industry is. Um, so I, I don't think you can put your head head in the sand on this one. There's a lot of stuff you can blow off politically well, and all that. Especially Dwight, pardon my interruption. I'm, yeah. I'm conscious <laughs> effort to not uninterrupt anymore. On what I'm trying, what did you guys see? And I know I sent this on like the Mighty Networks and such, and I, I'm going to talk about it. And Dwight, I know you just printed it out. Trade if, if you had a chance to look through it. But there's not many times where I get like a giant PDF where I feel called to print it out, right? Um, but there, there are several times, meaning like the Naval tweet master tweet storm, I printed that out and bound it in a PDF. So there's not many times, but this was one of those times I got it from ARC. And so ARC is, is led by an, uh, a pretty legendary investor named Kathy Wood. Um, hasn't done so well in, in, in the previous two years, let's call it, because it's usually highly tech-based. Yeah. They come out with a, I mean, Dwight, would you call it like a prognostication guide, but essentially what they see in the next what they're future, in, what, they're what they're investing in and what they see, how they see our world to look based on X, but based on the technologies that are present. And so it, it, this one was the, it's called the big ideas 2023 and it's looking for, you know, and I, I kept seeing a 2030 extrapolation of the data. And you can tell by the way they did this, this wasn't someone's opinion. This was highly fact-based. If you look at the citations, Dwight, and you're doing. And so why, why am I, why am I, you guys say like, why is this a big deal? You know, you're a dentist, like, why does this matter? 
And again, Dwight, back to what you're saying about getting your head up out of the sand, because this one, this may be that inflection point in technology that all of a sudden, like I said, on the last pod turns us into this fourth industrial revolution. And so what the thing that, that resonated with me on this was the, and we actually did speak about this, but I wasn't as eloquent to be able to speak about it last time because I didn't have the data. I hadn't had this in front of me is that the power isn't so much AI. The power isn't so much the blockchain. The power isn't so much energy storage. It's not, it's the, it's the convergence of all those things that are happening. And so it's the rising tide. And basically what they're saying is, is AI now becomes the accelerant for multi-omic sequencing, robotics, energy storage, public blockchain, and AI, and the neural network standpoint. And those are the five things that she says, you know, they're anticipating becoming the large share of this technological economy in the future. Um, I, I'm going to take a quick quote to kind of align that that I read earlier and I like marked it and it says, AI should increase the productivity of knowledge workers more than fourfold by 2030 and at a hundred percent adoption, AI could increase the global labor productivity by 200 trillion, dwarfing the 32 trillion in total knowledge work worker salaries. I mean, it's just, it's it, fuel to fire isn't even like, it isn't like a 1% of what we're talking about. And I, I'm with you. I think if these are the kinds of things that in life, like there's political issues, there's things out there, there's social issues. I get it. All these things can slightly disrupt different things, but this is a complete disruptor. Um, and like computers were, like internet was, I mean, we've got to be prepared for this. Trey, what are you saying? I think that you're... I knew you haven't read it, so I'm not putting you on the spot. Yeah, no, 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 but I, I mean, I think that touching on what you said earlier about AI and how, how you know, or what you mentioned, it's it's going to be part of every pod we do. It is. It, it is something that fuels the fire that's going to change everything and, and bring about that fourth industrial revolution. The When you look at ARC, you know, I mean, ARC, ARC isn't just tech. ARC is pretty cutting-edge tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Arc either explodes or falls flat on its face, right? Exactly. But the thought process and the theory of what she's what she's zero thing out zero. there is, is really, right. Pretty, it's pretty awesome. And I mean, how many times when you look back, even just through our lifetimes, that you've had any sort of tech jump in and right and dom- not just dominate, but completely change the paradigm and the landscape of of how we live our lives? Yeah. And, and this is ex- doing exactly that for exactly what you mentioned. It's the substructure underneath all this stuff that you know we're looking at. Excited about Chat GPT, you know, finding answers, that type of thing. But the blockchain, everything underneath, is what's going to bring about an entirely different program driving forward. It's really cool. Whenever my my wife makes fun of me about being like a nerd and like, why do you look at this stuff and why do you watch this YouTube and you know and, and a I'm got, even my kids do you know like what, dad what do you kids who cares about this like watch TikTok with us like who cares I'm like mm. you know I may be wrong on this stuff and I always in my line is like history is going to prove us one of us correct when Craig and I argue about shit but my my thesis is a it's interesting and b this is probably not going to make me stupider <laughs> yeah that's a good point right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so yes, you could be wrong. Yes. Kathy could be wrong, but me digging in and learning is like, okay, it's a, it's a heads up play for the next seven years. Yes. I am, uh, you know, JFD, just the dentist, but, yeah. but it, it, yes, I'm also, you know, but, but all of us are just not dentists. We are investors and we are, you know, we are looking for financial futures and we are consumers and we are in groups and we have conversations. So like these kind of things, it's just nice to keep your head up out of the sand, even if it's not just for the business of dentistry. 
Exactly. Like, think, yeah, think about it from the standpoint. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I have, I have little kids. Think mm-hmm. about what their lives are going to be like 40 years from now. Think about them in our situation, what they've seen, what they've, what, you know, I didn't have a cell phone in college. Right. No, that changes the whole game of virtually everything you do once you have that. Facebook, social media pops up. I mean, it's a different way of life. Yep. Yep. It changes. Remember when you did get your first cell phone and you had a bucket of minutes and you would, and you would literally speak to people like a telegraph? Yeah. <laughs> I miss those days. You're flying through it. Yeah. Would have been easier. I only have 120 minutes from my PowerTel subscription. Can you please speak faster? Uh, well, um, to speak we about how productive we I are. I miss those days. Yeah, I, I want to go back to the beeper. There's some simplicity of joy because today it's like we can't disconnect, we can't this and that, but we are far more productive when we want to be. You know, it's funny. And now it's like you can sign up to go to a resort where like you can forcibly disconnect. And, the you know, people are now paying to go back in time be what that is you can imagine i mean this is going to make us so much more productive um I, can i pause that better you, can i pause you there yeah because i think this is this is the argument online where people are like turn it off turn it off the ai it's scaring us it's gonna and so there's there's a group of people and it's probably split down the middle where it's like this is going to disrupt us this is scary this could cause problems and there's another half of the segment that's like this is not going to disrupt anyone it's just going to make those who want to become more productive seven times more productive which right is- yeah, which and is so, so it's, it's, it's weird. weird. It's a yeah. weird uh, dichotomy of the population. It's like that's early adopters, late adopters, forced mm-hmm. adopters. I mean, this is human history. mindset. Mindset. Yeah, it's human history, and it's a drag because people don't they want to accept it once they've seen other people fall flat on their face, and then they're willing to kind of accept the remnants. But you know, it's not a matter of do we. I think a lot of us, even in this, you know, between the three of us, we like the idea of being a little bit more on the edge being that first in and kind of enjoying that. But in reality, some people are, are are less driven in that sense. They want to do it as a collective. They want to move forward. They want to do those things. That's fine. But in the grand scheme of it, to me, it's an exciting time to live. It's an exciting time to run a business. Um, and I'm with you, Trey. I think it's interesting. What are our kids going to think is, I mean, they're going to think we weren't very productive at all. <laughs> I think... Well, we don't have a, you know five AI chatbots trying to run half of what we do or co-pilot uh, programmers sitting here. And we can, I hate my practice management software in my practice, and I have to use a funky cloud, and I just want a web-based option. I can get something to kind of drive this. You, you know what's beautiful about that, Dwight, what you just said? Is that I always tell people, if I, could have, if I knew how to code, I would have been unstoppable. Right, because I, the ideas, and so he's <laughs> laughing. It's just my arrogance, I know. But like I always said, that that was like my Achilles' heel. Is that I didn't know how to code. I would have these ideas, but then I'd be like, and it would be beautiful in my brain, right? But I, and I could see the outcomes and the blah blah blahs and this and that. And then I would try and articulate to someone and hire someone to do it, and it just was like, yeah. And then, and then you would retreat to your basement, and you would not eat, and you'd never see the light of day. And you'd be a skinny, pale version of yourself. Hundred. Anybody that could understand you to be like, hey, hey, let me. I got. You're the only one that understands what I'm doing. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Let me. You get me. <laughs> being being somebody who's run a computer programming company, they're two very different people. Like I couldn't. Like I couldn't take some of those programmers out to lunch because they just literally wanted to be in a lights off room 
with their computers, as many screens as they could get. And they just wanted to hack in and out and go. But think about the advancements. Now, I guess my, my illustration was like, think about like if that disrupts coding and coding is the big place to disrupt. If you have an idea and now something can code for you to make that idea true, think of that. I guess that goes into the advancements of what they're talking about in this ARC pamphlet, uh, PDF is that like there's no longer bottlenecks and impediments to to innovation. Um, so anyway, so there's a three we missed you to throw out there. Just uh, this was in, uh, I want to say it was a book. Um, I think it was called Things That Matter. It was like a Charles Krauthammer, his favorite journal articles he ever wrote uh, prior to yeah. passing away. And there was a great one in there that was talking about civilization so far advanced beyond us. And this was kind of a, a small pearl of another one of the articles he wrote, but it's the are there are there civilizations that far advanced beyond us and his his comment was probably not because they've long since innovated to destroy themselves then mm. you sit there for a little bit and think oh shit yeah that makes sense you can innovate yourself into oblivion if you're not careful sure absolutely this is what happens well you know it's coming whether you want it or not so if it's right Buckle up. If not, fantastic. I mean, we've got to turn ourselves into the Terminator movie at some point, right? Um, <laughs> not even that. I mean, we're not going into war with the computers necessarily, but but you can very easily destroy things by constantly innovation, constantly innovating one thing after another. Right. And then That's here we are point. yearning for, you know, the early 90s. Well, it's, it's the solution. Like to break it down, it's like the solution of the problem. We try and find a solution, but then it has its own side effects. It's like a medication, right? You come and you see a patient comes in, they have like 15 medications and it's like, well, one medication was done to treat like acid reflux, but it also causes this and this and this. Now you're taking two medications to manage that. Yeah. And then one was meant to treat the side effects of the first one. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're like, why am I taking 15 medications when I would have been fine with the heartburn? <laughs> it's started. That's what happens, and that's just we cascade. Solve every problem. There are some problems we don't need to solve, and I think that's a good point, Trey. That I think we keep clicking it. So, Trey, we missed you in uh, Salt Lake, buddy. Missed you yeah. at the uh, boat. How good stuff from that? How is uh, next one? You 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 can't miss, but we're gonna do it again yeah. in the same place. So it's gonna be uh, yeah. so you, so next year you won't come. Don't have any more kids. Okay, no, I'm, I'm done procreating. So you're done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, pushed, I pushed for number four. I was met with violent opposition. Have I am a little premature? I was yeah, there. she doesn't have enough amnesia yet, right? Yeah, it's like I that, that amnesia so hasn't kicked in enough. Oh, but you already pushed like with the first month or two. It's like, yeah. well, I mean, it's like you said, we got to get productive. This is go time. Hey, look at this. Two of my kids are 11 months apart. My wife hated me. Oh, yeah. Or uh, like, yeah, nine months. She's like, don't get freaking near me after this, baby, please. For the love of God. Um, anyway, so anyway, from the mastermind, what I was going to say is, and Trey, I know you weren't there, so I'm going to just kind of, um, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. So obviously, you know, we did it and you were there at the Cabo one, right? And as we, as I looked through my notes and the, the notes from the takeaways from Cabo, which was in October versus the context of this, a lot of the same people there, um, the context of like the biggest issue, right? The key takeaway. So the key takeaway for me in the first mastermind, what I saw in everyone in all the notes was, Dwight, if you remember this term, the nucleus of everything. Yeah. Every, Trey, do you remember uh, everyone talking about that? Like yeah. that being kind of the big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, 
and I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there in our career. And and if I had so many thoughts going on in my head right now, but but I think that is like the most debilitating feeling that you can have as a dentist. Because growth means more of that. You feel like you're running on the treadmill, like you're you're you are the be- you are the bottleneck of your of your of your growth, but you're also like the catalyst of your growth at the same time. And so it feels scary. And I contend this is where people throw their hands up, say F it, and and do some kind of draconian move, which we're going to get to an exciting topic today. You some kind of, something stupid. So it was great to see, Trey, now you saw that context and, and you just said, yeah, I heard everyone, you know, that was kind of the thing was like, I feel like I'm in charge of everything. Everything comes through me. All the decisions are made through me. I don't have time to do anything. I have no free time. I have no life. You know, my business is doing mediocre and I'm just kind of, I'm kind of treading water, you know, and I don't feel like I'm living my best life. And so when I hear that kind of thing, uh, I, for me, it gives me a lot of purpose in this kind of way, second wave, if you will, of, of my dental career, which is more kind of leaning in because I, because I, because I want to help extricate someone from that situation of feeling panicked and helpless because I have God have I been there mm, okay and and not to say that I have all the answers the beautiful thing though Dwight was that at this second mastermind didn't you see the evolution in a, in five months and it was so great Trey what we were seeing was it was just as opposed to like I'm it was it went from a feeling of like these I had these scarce problems meaning I'm the impediment I'm the um I'm, I'm everything uh, you see, I'm actually shaking because it's it's yeah. such a revelation it's for me. Powerful. It, and then it moved to trade. It moved to this better quality problems. How do I grow? It moved to this abundant problem. So they were stuck in this. Well, how do I buy a building? How do I how do I grow this? How do I teach this? How do I lead this team member? How do I fire this team member? And it was like, it was like an attitude of abundance versus like this scarcity. I can't do it anymore. Um, did you pick up on that, Dwight? So, yeah, so what I, I noticed that really kind of blew my mind, and I think you saw me kind of pivoting around the table on this, was in five months, people worked so hard not to implement marketing strategies, all these other things, but trying to remove themselves from being that nucleus, empowering the team and kind of doing that. And you know what's funny? We had more personal conversations with people in the mastermind about all of a sudden they had personal clarity about stuff that was going on in their personal life that was totally like getting totally pushed off because their business was consuming a hundred percent of them. They could not like much less. Could they think about their vision and then be like, all right, well, here's the next thing. And then, Oh, I want to do this. And maybe, yeah, maybe I would love to do building. And then people were like, I want a lake house. You know, it's like, but it was all. Well, well, that became the, like you, so you blew over that. That became like the why. And I know we've made the illustration. Like I want to be, I just want to be a football coach. And then like backfilling, your your life to fill that dream right and so and so one of them finally says like i just you know honestly i just want to be able to buy a lake house so i can have the same memories that i had growing up from my kids and we were like boom that's a why right because it gives you purpose beyond i just want to make money i just want to have three locations i just want to do this because it it's that's not in a storm that is that is going to be shaky ground right when there's going to be a metaphorical storm coming um so it was it was yeah, it was honestly, it was awesome. I don't know if it was. What's cool about that is that everyone focuses, and, and we all know that. I mean, if you go into any any program of some sort, everyone's going to tout vision as the first step. They'd say, "Let's get a why, let's get a vision, let's move, let's lay out where we're going." 
but everyone does that and focuses on the 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 core of their business everything becomes business related it becomes what can i do it becomes more for the sake of more for some you know and whatever and basically because of that that's what we are all trained to think in that regard and you forget that the business is just a piece of the overall the overall pie of your lifestyle and you have to you have to put that into the the compartment you have to compartmentalize it into the section where it belongs and know that there are other pieces to, to lifestyle that are just as important and they all complement each other and it's it's the concept you know that gets into the whole concept of of work life balance or work life integration you know where one right. necessarily you know right. does one hurt the other or does one complement the other but and what's what's awesome about that what i hate about having to miss something especially the ski trip with with uh, this group is this is a group of people that you watch go through this. They're here to learn. Mm-hmm. And so when you put yourself in a group of people that all share that mindset and you watch the growth that happens exceptionally quickly that it ha- and they walk through these steps very, you know, you can almost predict the aha moments that start to happen and they show up and get to the next one and then start bringing the next level problems. And you watch the scarcity to abundance mindset start to materialize it is awesome to see uh-huh. and this is what happens in our industry right now is i remember because brad tyner he wouldn't mind me talking about it but he's in the mastermind and he did this when when i talked to him well before the mastermind started he's a buddy of mine that i'd worked with him or interacted with him in several other ce groups and things like that brilliant mind incredible dentist um, and just a drive, an internal drive, huh? Great profile. Yeah, great profile because he's just like Pete's profile. But <laughs> that's why he said that. But the goal here is, is like he was stuck, mm. so stuck that he vulnerably talked about it in Salt Lake City with some other people. Was when Dwight called me and we were having this conversation, I was considering a sale mm. because I was the nucleus of everything and I hated my business. People don't sell businesses they love. They sell businesses they hate. They sell teams they hate. 100% Dwight. Keep on preach, preach. And keep that on. is the piece where we see time and time again, if you're stuck in the nucleus of your business, doesn't matter what you do, but in our world of dentistry, especially you're the technician and you are the CEO and you are the office manager, you are all these things and you've given other people titles, but you still are the bottleneck for their approval process or their systemization and their their appreciation and their day-to-day and their incentive is whether you like them or you're having a good day or not, guess what? You will sell your practice. Mm-hmm. Because if not, what's the point? Who wants to live that life or who can keep doing that and the how is the with their personal life? You're saying how sustainable that is, right? Yeah, like that's not, not sustainable. sustainable. And so it's, uh, I love what you guys both had said. Trey, you're saying about putting people in that environment. And I, and I said that, I actually thought that as we were in this room, because people are giving their specific, specific examples of what's happening in their life and the problems they have may not apply to you. Therefore you're thinking, well, how does this apply? This isn't for me, but yet you put your, you put yourself in this like pressure pot, meaning you get on a plane, you fly somewhere, you get out of your environment, you put yourself in an environment where you become vulnerable and then you hear other people's problems and then you hear group solutions. And then you vicariously adopt that to maybe something that you're thinking about, or maybe something that you didn't think about. And so that in itself is like the power of a group, right? The power of the energy, the battery in the room. Remember I gave that analogy once, it's like the battery in the room. So it's really cool. 
the other thing I want to say is like, it's funny how like we always think that about problems and then you think like happiness is going to be like, me on a beach. Happiness is the absence of problems. It's not that no. happiness is kind of the evolution of your problems. I mean, just endeavoring to get better quality ones as opposed to I'm the nucleus of everything to, Hey, how do I get more hygienist as a problem? Or how do I get more locations or how do I invest in real estate by you finding problems that are, that are better quality problems. And I think that's a, that's something to always remember. Dwight, what you said leads me into what I want to get the fodder for today's podcast. We finally getting there after 30. <laughs> it's okay. This, this has been awesome. This has been awesome. Yeah. Well, the best one ever. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, so here we're going to talk about something. And I tried on our text message to get a couple of you to be one camp and a couple of us to be on the other camp. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's doable as I sat here and thought about it, but the case for selling versus the case for not ever selling your practice. Okay. Cause yeah. that is pervasive in our industry. Do I sell? Do I not sell everywhere? And. I kind of went through some things and did a little research and wrote down some things just to give us fodder. It's more than likely going to, well, who knows how much it goes into, but it is as I've gone through this exercise, right. With, with, let's just call it private equity suitors in the past. And I've gone through this exercise many times, just as you guys have, just as anyone has, it's, it's, it's eye opening. Um, you get, let me pause for a second. Let me collect my thoughts. If you're a dentist and you're growing, you get romantic about one day someone's going to give me this bananas offer, right? And that becomes like the, the, your drive maybe. As going through this several times, and, and Trey, I think you alluded to kind of feeling the same way when we talked about this, right. is that there's a lot of realizations when someone's willing to give you a check to, to walk away or to buy your business. And you have, to, you have to pause for a second and think, who's the dummy here? Is it me? Or is it them, right? Who's getting the better, who's getting the best deal? Um, and even when it's a bananas offer, let's just say, right? Something that's, let's call it 250% of your top line revenue or 200% of your top line revenue. And you think like, holy shit, this is a lot of money. When you start to reverse engineer, okay, I'm going to get this up front because it's not going to be all the money up front. We've all, we all, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this pod. Right, it's it, the cash that closes this. The stock you're going to get is this. That this is unless you're selling from one person to another. At which point, e multiples and stuff don't go into play. Right. So you have to kind of reverse engineer. Okay, this is the cash that closes. Potentially, all I'm going to get. Now my tax rate's going to be this. Okay, and now I'm left with X in the bank. How does that compare to the cash flow that you get from running a business? This, and I'm going to loop this back in, Dwight, to the nucleus of everything. You have to get yield somehow from that money that you make, right? Because if you're going now from being a business owner to a W-2 employee for X number of years, let's call it three to five years, right? You're, yes, you're still going to make money as a dentist because it's the cost of labor. But but does that yield that you're going to get from investing in other people's business, whether it's a bond, the government's business? Repeat that. People pay you for your business, yet you still have the money and you have to still put it in as in other people's business. And the government, I say, is that the bonds are a business, right? Yeah. 
everything's business. Stock market is a business. Private, you know, alternate investments is a business. Like you still have to, you know, it's like the old expression, you have to have your money working for your money, working for more money, right? Little, good little soldiers that go out and do it. And let's just call it, a, but here's the thing is that you fall into a scarce mode because you're thinking this was my life's work. I got this nest egg and now I go into scarcity mode. Okay. And now instead of it's getting, trying to look for yields of 15%, you can't risk that. So you now need to look for yields of what it would have bought doing four and a half, five percent. So you better make sure that check someone's willing to give you post taxes is enough that you're getting safe yield to live the exact same lifestyle that you're living now. That just covers the lifestyle thing. We didn't even talk about purpose, right? And things like that. So Peter, it is shocking to me how many people, one, have not actually heard about ERC and two, have gotten the wrong information. And you and Trey being two of them, I mean, I consider you to be an epic business person. And when I talked about the employee retention credit to you, you were really dismissive of me. Like, no, I, I went through that. I got it. I, you know, it was great. I got it. It was done. And even Trey just now, we were just talking to him on the last pod. He's like, yeah, I already, you know, my accounting firm, they, they got it very little. They only got like five or 10 grand. So we know this is totally misunderstood. I was told I didn't qualify until I went to a specialist and they're like, you absolutely qualify. And here's the number. And it, it almost startled me. Like I, my jaw was off on the ground. Of like, yeah. You don't serious? actually, you don't believe it. You didn't don't believe, believe it. it. But going yeah. to, don't ask your CPA, ask someone who specializes with, which is why we actually have this awesome arrangement. And we created a link and the company is bullet, go to bulletproof ERC to help kind of implement this because from this pot of money that Congress has has allocated, we want the people listening from Bulletproof to take advantage of it. So this is why right. it's kind of this this announcement is going on because it's don't like I said, don't ask your CPA, ask the people right. who this is the well, only that's what, thing they do all day every that's day. That's why we had to do this because initially I was telling everybody, telling you, telling everybody, like, oh, I, I went, we don't qualify. So like, oh, this is not going the way it's supposed to. Like, you mm-hmm. have to go to the people that do it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, my buddy Norm works at the company. Norm, as you know, is like the nicest guy in the world. He's literally like Ned Flanders. He's like, he how really do you do? He do? He'll fill out your form. He'll walk you through the process. He'll do the Zoom call with you. It's literally white glove services. You don't have to do anything. And this is what they do. And it's an unbelievable program. You have two ways to pay for it. Um, you can either pay up front or they can just take a percentage when they give you the money. And it is awesome. You did one, I did the other. We won't tell which one, who, who did what, but it's a government program. It's going to run out. Do not delay. It's amazing how many people are like, I'll handle a couple months. I don't have yeah. time. You don't need any time. Like this first is like come, crazy. First come, first serve, right? <laughs> first come, first serve. And I mean, I know the government's treated you well through the CARES Act. And you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I don't need this. It is your money this to have. This is part of the CARES Act. Right. It is part of the CARES Act. But a lot, I mean, even when I thought about it, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to take you know, more money. But this is a program that's allocated for people like you who have kept your employees, kept your businesses open. Do not take it for granted. If your accountant told you, or your friend who's a lawyer told you, do not leave that stone unturned. Go to bulletprooferc.com. Spend five minutes. It's worth the due diligence. Do not assume anything. And even if you filled it out, you got something, but it wasn't, you know, what you think is commensurate for your size business, go ahead and reopen the process. You can amend these things for different years. So do yourself a favor. Take the five or 10 minutes, have a Zoom call. You may be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, which is not prudent for you, your business, and the, the families that your business supports. Do it for them. So I want, you know, 
to give context, and I'm going to shut up. Uh, everyone listening, I tr- again tried to form kind of two facets where it be two people. I think I think arguments are great in a, in a public forum where one says this and one says this, and then that. It just works better. It's just fun. But the four of us really couldn't come to a consensus on why we thought selling was ever the best idea. I mean, Dwight, so so you're kind of shaking your head. Maybe, maybe. So so let's do this. Let's talk about the advantages to selling, potentially. Can you, can we just hypothesize about why? Let's talk about the pros of selling and the cons of selling. So right off the bat, go ahead. Where are we starting? Which side? Selling advantages. The, the advantages to say, I want to sell everything. Screw it. I'm the nucleus of everything. I cannot do this anymore. I hate my practice. I want out. I want to sell. So that's number one. Offload responsibility. Okay. Responsibility, offload. Um, and by nature, uh, stabilization of the emotional turmoil of running your business. Okay. All right. Okay. Non-clinical, right? But the emotional turmoil of running a business. Right. I think I think the delegation of that is probably the number one reason why people sell. Because mm-hmm. because it's kind of like um even Bruce Baird talked about the fact that when, you know, it was it was a political thing, right? Obama came in, I've got to pay for healthcare for everybody, and there was all this fear factor and all these things were coming along. And he got offered a check and he was like, Yeah, because the world is too we're too unsure of the world. Uncertain. Right. Uncertain, uncertain times. Uncertain times. Right. Right. I'll hurt that. I think that's the biggie. Okay. Um, those to me are the two biggies as to why people say I've had enough. And okay. in particular, like the craftsman style kind of doctors who are just like, I just want to do dentistry. So offloading responsibility, you're saying is would it be a reason. Okay, Dwight, in the scenarios where someone's coming to buy you and you have to stay on, do you think Dwight and Dre, do you think you get to be absolved of those responsibilities? Do you think they're like, okay, we we got we got it. As a leader, you no longer have to lead the practice or be involved in conversations of solutions. Like you no longer have to be here. Do you think that happens? I think I think owners, I think getting the chance to get some money in your pocket and put okay. stock into something, the idea is is that the owner gets to be an associate or feel like an associate, like step back and just do clinical. And maybe some of the HR stuff comes off of you, maybe these other issues, but you still have to live and breathe and practice with the team who's now getting managed by another entity. So yeah. you're still going to be the go-between person. You're still right. the interactor, that's, right? That's so I agree with you. Yes. There is a de facto leader of any team, whether it is your responsibility or not, and being the doctor tends to put you there whether you want to be or not, if you're not good at delegating. So if you're de facto, are you offloading? I'm trying to. So, trying to and I'll, I, what I would get at there is, is there's a, a staged answer to that because it's a different, it's a difference between a guy who's running a million dollar practice with a okay. decent, a decent bottom different. line yeah. and someone that's running a $15 million operation that has a, a very different program that has a management company or anything else. Okay. And there is a point at which the leadership of the of the fifteen million dollar so called leader or the the driver of that organization is going to be what they're after in many cases, and they will lead they will leave you in place to keep that going. And then there is a point at which yes, there is some at that one million dollar level or that good practice that's that's trucking along. You are still there, 
but your liability is different. Your your responsibility is different. But yes, you are still involved. But I think there is a staged part of that. And we have to keep that in mind because they're two very different scenarios. The other thing I think that gets into people's brains is the quote concept of the ROI potential. Meaning if I bind myself yes. with these other guys and the potential of maybe not the first bite at the apple, okay. but the second bite. Complex. It's the all, so dumb that down to the fact that if it all works out, yep, it all works. you get what you're promised. And let's assume that you know they lay it out, this is what's happening, and you actually get to go along for the ride and get what you're So promised. what Dwight is saying for the audience is basically what we what they call in, in the world of, of private equity is the recap scenarios where you are bought with someone for cash plus stock into this private company in the hopes that they are going to be able to roll up more people like you to get to a critical mass to then attract the buyer for a bigger private equity, right? So it's a recapitalization of your stock, at which point then that will trigger an event where your stock gets paid out, right? At which point you might be able to roll into the next one at the and take a third bite of the apple. So the first bite of the apple was selling majority share of your practice or pretty much all your practice. Second bite was potentially when there's a recap. Third will be, you know, and this is a, a five years and then another five years from that would be the third recap. Dwight, sorry, I just, I just didn't want to gloss over that. And I'll even give an even easier example within my own ecosystem. I had a doctor that had a small single practice in an outskirt area. He joined our practice. He only had a 5%. He inserted his whole practice, the whole value of his practice to us, which was probably worth a two and a half, three multiple. It wasn't a single practice. But when he merged it with us, he then owned 5% of the mm -hmm. holding co. And now the multiple of that same value of that practice was now a four or a five or a six right. because of the size of our ecosystem. So again, they're that was the arbitrage of him for him. They're but doing the arbitrage. That's not arbitrage scale. unless you sell. Correct. That's unless really you realize the equity. So I don't but think of it for him even immediately when he retires, it's more value as a part of our ecosystem than what it ever would have been. Yeah, and it knows, that would you be never sell those, what he's saying. You never yeah, sell. That would be the piece that I would I would touch on though, Dwight. Um, is that guy that sells the million dollar practice typically has an opportunity to to maximize the value of his practice in terms of what he brings in as he checks out. Uh, that is where I think there is a positive in that regard. You get a little bit more than if you just sold on the open market. Sure. So in a private equity format, you're saying, Trey. Yeah, and I wouldn't even go into a private equity format. Let's go to a strategic buyer where you're selling okay, something sorry. bigger DSO, yeah. uh, where you're you're just plugging in. And well, I let's let me. I want to put a pin in that because you're saying you're getting more. It your enterprise is valued for more, but whether or not you get those funds, right? I'll so run, you may yeah, in, the, in a in a PE or strategic environment, million dollar practice potentially you'd say, look, we'll give you two million. Right, but we're only going to give you the million up front and then five, you know, the rest of it's going to be in stock and hold back and performance issues. So it sounds sweeter because as the person who has the $1 million practice saying, hey, that's two, that's twice as much, right? All you've heard in that conversation is $2 million and you immediately psychologically start spending the money. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to do it? What am I going to do about beach house finally? I'm going to buy this lake house finally, yeah. right? Versus the person who's kind of sitting on million dollar practice. Let's say you sell it for 700. After taxes, you're probably sitting on 450. Okay. Getting yield on that 450 
how much is 7% of $450,000 a year, right? It's about $30,000 a year. That's not retirement money for folks, right? So let me give you a a pro on how, if you are early, right? I'm going to talk about the time value of money. If you are early and you have created a juggernaut of a practice, and you can, you know, put, put along a bunch of money on the sideline. I actually heard a couple stories where someone could put a bunch of millions on the sidelines at in their 30s. And I'm like, okay, maybe that makes sense, right? The time value of money for that is that they get to now do nothing on that. And potentially that money, the rule of 72, that money is going to double X number of years, right? And so maybe that would be a case for, I'm trying to do the pros. Um, and the other pro would be if you're young, and it, and it is that thing, if your non-compete is somewhat limiting and you're feeling like you got a lot of gas in the tank and let's say you sell and you have either no non-compete or maybe one that's only a couple of years or three, you can go do it again, Absolutely. right? And so it's step and repeat, and it, but you got to have the chops and feel like you can do this. And it wasn't, lightning didn't happen. I'm sorry, lightning didn't strike just once. It can strike twice. And so many times I've seen so many, how many, how many, how many, uh, entrepreneurs have you seen that, that think they, because they had success in one exit of their business, they're like, I can do anything. I'm bulletproof. I can, I can open it. And then they, they, they waste all the, the, the legendary money they made on kind of the endeavor too, because it was an ego thing. Absolutely. So the next, so the cons, the cons also, uh, of selling, let's go over the cons real quick. I know they I know there are many. Um, I think one of the biggest things is like now what, right? Let's say you're in your thirties and you sell, let me give that the same example. Like now, now what do you do with the rest of your life? Okay. Maybe you can do it again. Okay. Maybe you can, maybe you don't need to do anything again. If you're older and you sell it, you still need purpose, right? Because it, it almost insulated so much of who your entire being was. Like you associate, like my dad was a pilot, right? He associated everything he did. And, you know, he was, a, when he had to work, he was a, a pilot. He was a captain at Delta. And right. And then when you retire, you leave that environment. It's like, wait a second. I don't have all these, you know, flight attendants admiring me and people walking through the airport, like being like, holy cow, look at the pilot coming, right? You, you, you're going to miss that environment is where I'm going. And so we start to lose purpose. I'm not trying to ramble guys. I always think that I'm talking too long. No, 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 no. You got, I mean, this is kind of, I think this is the piece that most people forget (laughs) that, that they will lose and that we all have to have fulfillment requires purpose. Mm-hmm. And personal, individualized, day-to-day, weekly, monthly, annual fulfillment requires purpose. So the thing, Dwight, you're saying is that potentially the the catalyst of the, being the nucleus of everything could be the thing that's actually getting a lot of pleasure and enjoyment if you were to remove yourself. Meaning, doctor talked about tra- being romantic about having to give the wife enough time. Think about the amnesia of it. Once you get out of that, Right. And that pregnancy has gone for nine months. She's like, you know what? That was a really enjoyable time. Maybe we should do it again. Right. So maybe a far-fetched example, but, but yes, you see this a lot. You see this a lot is the purpose. Um, and I had this conversation, I went to lunch with my kind of private banker yesterday and he was saying how he sees this a lot is, you know, this, it feels good to look at those zeros in your bank account. And then the next week it's like, what do I do? Yeah. So I knew my life. I had this beautiful place where I led people and I was able to dig in and make experiences and I get great cash flow machine and golden egg. And I was writing things through my business. Now I can do none of those, right? Because I don't own it. How long can you actually be? If you, if you took a month long vacation right now, at what point in time mm-hmm. would you be itching to get back to your, to your business? Right. 
Um, or do you prefer to take those in doses and build a business that allows you to take those more frequently or take off when your kids are off or, you know, they, from school or things like that, right? There's this balance piece, right? But I think one of the bigger net cons that we do need to talk about besides even the piece of purpose is, is these are really smart business people offering you a certain multiple to buy in mm. practice. <laughs> and if they're offering you that kind of money, these Warren business school people showing up, knocking on your door and being like, Hey, by the way, 25% of our investors require that our portfolio is in healthcare. Therefore we need to buy more dental practices or healthcare related, blah, blah, blah. blah. All they really care about is, okay, well, how much is Pete going to earn in the next seven or 10 years? Great. I'll pay you for a seven to 10 year multiple upfront so that you have that balanced money, but they're just paying you the money. If you've got the runway to stick those seven to 10 years, then sell it after you've got well, that money. And that's still the kind of model I gave to, I love that you bring this up, right? Cause if someone, I would, and this is a, a very simple way to think about it. If someone's taking your EBITDA, right? So let's take your EBITDA. And someone's like, I'm going to get a 10X, which is astronomical. We don't hear that much in dentistry. All that that means is someone's paying you for 10. If you flatline your practice, someone's paying you for 10 years of earnings. So it would be the exact same as if you waited 10 years, got that money, and then you could almost walk away from the practice. It would be the exact same outcome almost, right? Exactly. And you wouldn't, you'd be able to sell it from there. It, that's that's why one way is so dependent. Or like keep you it. Have to decide to run. Or keep it. And still okay. cash flow. Here's another con that we don't think about. The consequences to your team and your patients. Yeah. Beautiful. Right? And we do think about that, right? People get concerned at the signing table about, holy shit, what about my patients? Holy shit, what about my team? You know, but but it's something that's nice to think about. Like that is a con. And, and guess what? That is a highly unknown variable. You hear good stories about, about when that happens. And you also hear the horror stories about what happens to the people Absolutely. and the patients and the care. And so I would think that that is, you know, again, a big con of selling. Other thing would be you become a W2 employee. And I know that that's not it. And that's not a big deal, but like you went into, you took the risk to be a business owner so that you could afford the benefits of taking risks so that, that you could be, have favorably putting things through, whether it's insurances or the business benefits or things that you got right now you become, now you really don't have the benefit of, of using the tax law to your advantage. Because yeah. you're deficient in that. Um, okay. Not Any other question. You're a W-2 employee, which yeah. what, like you said, that's not that big a deal. That's one of the biggest deals to me. Yeah. If I don't want to play in the sandbox with someone, you know, in someone else's sandbox, basically. Yeah. So that How becomes- much are you paying on taxes? How much are you getting paid? Usually about 25% is what the going rate at most DSOs are, what they're going to pay you of what you're collecting. Um, and on top of that, you're going to be paying taxes in a different mindset. I mean, it just is what it is. I think a lot of this is, we never say this or we don't say it enough. And I think this needs to get touched on a lot more because we're, we're in an, an environment where people are looking to solve their problems and move to the next level, which means they're, they're putting out the negatives. And now we're solving the problems and trying to move them forward. Everything you talked about with Salt Lake, but I love my business. I love I wouldn't say everything about it, but I, I would pretty much tell you that I love what I do more than the vast majority of people love what they do. Mm. Why do I want to get rid of that? I mean, you and as a dentist, think of as a dentist. I, I've always said this. You go in and see so many people and you're able to bullshit in that in the hygiene, uh, the hygiene columns. And you get to you get to have a smattering of humans, you know, life every day. Mm -hmm. How many people hate their job? It's staggering how many people hate their job. 
It's it unbelievable. Really so knowing that, I don't want to go, you know, I'm, what am I going to do with, and, and this is, you know, there, this is obviously, you know, first world problems type situations, but if you get a little bit more money, what are you going to do with it? All the, all the things we talked about, you got to deploy it first off, but at what level do you jump to your next level of let's, let's call it lifestyle mm-hmm. from a spending perspective? Yep. I mean, if you're happy where you are, more for the sake of more is, is really dangerous. Yeah, it's the hedonic treadmill, right? That's right. <clears throat> I also want to introduce another topic, if I can. I think um, another topic we're we staying on with the seller, not the concept sell? affiliated to this topic. Um, okay. If I said to you, if I was doing this business alone, I may be more likely to sell. Let me define okay. alone. Wait, when you say this business, meaning if you were doing hypothetical, I was doing dental. If I was doing a dental practice, I was the clinician. Yep. I was the business owner and I was doing this alone. And what I mean by that is not my team because I got to manage them. They're all employees, right? You're not. If I wasn't a part, I'm not joking when I say collaborating, even on this podcast, talking about my business, there are bad freaking days. Right. There are amazing days but i like to say like when you're an associate your day can be a plus 10 and a negative 10 right it can range in there because things happen bad patient care some some messed up patients upset or you know but as a business owner it's like a plus 100 and a negative 100 because you can do that right that's wondering where you're going with this (laughs) it's a high probability right so if i was doing this just out of vulnerability with all of you if i was doing this alone it's one of those things where the collaboration, the masterminds, like I can't, I can't do this alone. I can't, not that I can't run the business alone, but that I can't mentally and emotionally, uh, constantly feel like we are, I'm the only one dealing with the problem. And because the problems are deep and they're all focused on me being that nucleus and what Mm -hmm. this practice does and what this business type does is that it throws you at the top through education and through titles and doctor and all this other garbage. And then it forces you to a, be a great business person, which we are not. And it you know, or normally in, in the industry, and it keeps going down this road where all the pressure keeps piling and it feels like you're all alone doing it all by yourself. And I think that that is the main reason why people choose to delegate. People choose to sell, choose to do those things. But I, I can tell you right now, I've, I've run other businesses in other, in other industries. This is a very lonely business. Very, very lonely. If you're not out there and about and saving yourself, interacting with other dentists or interacting with other business owners within this industry. I struggle you're with- saying without, like, Let me just fill it down. Right? You're saying without collaboration and you know, have a brotherhood, sisterhood in this industry, you would, you would have bailed. I, I would have gone into another industry. Okay. Okay. Because the truth so, is, is that the ROI. But you, but that's not, that's not like an attraction to our, to our profession. Meaning like that is not the reason that a lot of people got into like a dentistry is awesome. Cause correct. I got to collaborate with all correct. my colleagues. Yeah. If anything, yeah. I think it's the exact opposite. Yeah, isolationism. I mean, sorry, let me, let me clarify uh, that because I don't, I don't want to get roasted. Sorry, the reality becomes the opposite. I'm not saying that is the attractant. I'm not saying Correct. the opposite is the re- is the attractant. 
saying that is actually what happens is that a lot of us get in a silo for 25 years and it's like, yeah, you forgot, you forgot to get in a study club and you forgot to get in a mastermind and you forgot to get in a, 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 this group Super easy. and all of a sudden now you're like, dude, this is a lonely place. Yeah. yeah. It's an unknown piece that when you signed up for this gig, you didn't realize that was what was happening or that was very likely to happen. And in, and in medicine, right, you don't have that because typically you're in the hospital setting and you're getting exactly. collaborating point. You're doing case theory with other people and look at this case with yeah. me. And uh, so wow. I get it. I, I get that, Dwight. I get that. So that's something to, well, but, but you right. got to be careful though, because that could be, that could be a legitimization of the cell, be a part of something bigger. Also exactly. could be a legitimization of expansion. Correct. They could, but very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why the three of us have got and, it. And, you know, and everybody's different. You got to you got to keep in mind that there are going to be people where a sale. If you're lonely, go idea. buy some friends. Go buy some friends to put in your bigger house. That's you know, if you're lonely in the go buy some go buy some associates. Go buy some I, get hire some associates. Buy some more. You know, I think all the things. Easy. Buy some friends. I was trying to make the analogy. Buy some friends, but I, that came yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. There's so many places we can go with buy some friends. <laughs> I just I, <laughs> true true. I, this this could be a great rabbit hole. Buy meaning spend on the infrastructure, right? And then encourage people to come is what I, I meant. I Thank feel you. I feel like dentistry has this natural ability to make you that nucleus of everything and then you are stuck. And your problems seem too big and you can't get out of them, do these things. And I think this is the majority, like you said, it was the number one topic that we evaluated over the last five months with the mastermind. It keeps to be the the recurring problem. Everybody shows up at the mastermind wanting all the marketing fixes. And then although those are there, it's not what we end up talking about. I think it's just because it's that loneliness factor that, you know, I can walk outside and run into pretty much any doctor out there. And I'd be like, Hey, do you happen to know my brother, Christian Pecora? He's a pain doctor. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I ran into him at this ambulatory center and then this, and then he's in the surgeries, you know, and it's just, there is this unity concept, Community. right? And, and that's just the natural tendency of it. When in dentistry, I can walk in and out of my office and not have to interact with anybody. And there's, there's this fake concept, like what you're talking about, that because you're meeting new patients every day or all your patients coming in and out and you've got a team of people and it's small office, like is what it is. I'm like you, we had to build a large infrastructure. All three of us have built multi-location, multiple doctors working for us, big entity structures. Like we love gathering places, you know, where we can kind of get everybody together. But I think it's some of that. It's also because we love to collaborate. We know that we would have been stuck and not enjoyed it if we were doing it all by ourselves. That's just how we are. Yeah. And it's not just our personality. I think it's also a natural trait of the industry. It just is. Right. Okay. So here we are. We're at 58 minutes and we're about to talk about the, the pros and cons of not selling your business. We've illustrated by the counterpoints of some of the cons of, of uh, yeah. the push for selling, we've illustrated some of the, the, the advantages for not selling. Um, okay, so I think when we touched on this, the biggest advantage for not ever not ever selling your business or not on, or not on the, any horizon for you is that um, that cash flow that you have inside your business is going to be exceedingly hard to recreate. When I, and that goes back to the illustration of what I said about someone gives you a large check, take out the taxes, and then find that yield. The yield you get inside your business is the cash flow. Correct. 
I know I'm stating the obvious for you guys, but when you know it to do, but it's, it's two stocks. Do the math. Yes. It's two stocks. You either take the cash and put it in an alternative investment that yields you a certain amount per month, or you put it in your business stock. I put it back into my Fort Bend dental stock and I never sell it. I keep it there and I see what yield that gives me every month. That's what you're trying to break it down. Two types of stock, investing here, investing out. Well, and- well, I think you're making it more complicated than it has to be, right? Meaning that like, here's an asset that gives me more dollars, that gives me X amount of dollars. Here's something that 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 I took, the, I converted that asset into a big check, which I then still need to get converted into more dollars. And you, you sure. compare the bucket size, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, if you do the math, it's scary, right? Yeah. So you have this business that, and, and obviously the reason that, and Dwight, you said this, the reason that people, that private equity and Walt, is everyone is tripping over their, 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 Genitalia to get to you is be <laughs> trying to keep it PG. Genitalia. It just sounds much better as a dick, but like whatever, keep it clean. Um, is that that right? That is a rarity in the world, right? A cash producing business, right? That's stable, quote unquote, recession and pandemic ish, uh, stable, st- stable. And um, so, so that is the biggest pro. It's a well, safe spot. Let me yeah. let me put that in different words. One of these deals is built for you, and one of these deals is built for someone else. Very good. That's pretty much all there is to that. <laughs> one of them you're at the bottom, one of them you're at the top. Which one yeah. do you want to be? Interesting. And the, not to mention, let's add the next layer of it. That's you know. So you no one's like, ever doing it in benefit of you, Trey. You're saying no one's ever giving you a check as charity. I mean, I, I'm it's still rhetorical. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm still well, the point, the point you're saying is, is you've got two batches of money, right? What's the yield here? What's the yield there? The only problem with that argument is the yield of the sale is coming from the cash flow that your business is going to Correct. You hold on yeah, to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, okay. The next thing, obviously, we touched on again is the tax advantage situation of owning a practice, right? And whether or not that's, you know, everyone knows what that means, but, but, but inside that, maybe you have some real estate control, some owner-occupied real estate. You then can can leverage some cost segregation, some bonus depreciation. You start taking advantage of the tax-based code, which which the biggest expense in all of our lives is taxes, right? And so finding ways to mitigate that legally through the confines of the, the document that they provide to us is incumbent upon you to do so, okay? And so... Owning a business is one of the greatest ways to optimize. So I didn't say like avoid or optimize against the code or for the code, I should say. You know, um, I don't I don't want you to jump over what you just said. I'm interrupting you because of this. He said one important thing and everybody, if I asked everybody and Randy did what I said, Randy came to us and asked us in, in the mastermind at Salt Lake City. And he came and spoke for a little bit and he asked, what's your biggest expense? And people started saying, well, you know, my mortgage, right of this, my life. I was like, no, it's tax. Your basic, biggest expense is tax. So start at the top. What is the one thing that you want? The same way you look at your business and your profit and loss statement or your balance sheet in your business, you should look at your personal financial statement in the same way. How do I reduce my largest expense? My largest expense is still tax. And so I thought that was really intriguing. That was a little tidbit that, you know, the luxury yeah. of being in the mastermind, you got to hear that. 
that is huge. So he, don't uh, worry over what you speak on the pod coming up here soon. And actually, Dwight, because it was so transformative for a lot of people from a financial acumen standpoint, he's speaking at the summit now. Um, yeah. But you know, we put him on the pod. But, it, but it's it's so eye opening, right? And I said, look, guys, I'm learning. You're learning. No one taught us this shit. No one yeah. dental school taught us this school. Some of our parents didn't teach us this. You know, some of our parents might have. But like no one taught us this shit. So do not be ashamed that you don't know what cost segregation means. Do not be ashamed that you don't know what tax optimization means. Do not be ashamed of anything because we're all here. Figure this shit out. Yeah. yeah. So let me keep going unless you guys have a, a, any other comment on that. Go for it. The biggest pro for not is the freedom of direction. And I thought about this. I literally sat on a table away from electronics today and I was I really had like a write this stuff down. What are pros and cons and think about it because I think it's interesting. And for me, I came up with the freedom of direction. And what I mean by that, let me unpack this just real quickly, okay. is that I can either optimize for my profits. Now I have a business. I can optimize for profits. I can hustle. I can go. I can optimize for time. I can optimize for relationships. Or I could optimize or growth, meaning going back to the tax advantage situation, buying more assets inside of the vehicle of my business. So I have four freedoms, four freedoms now that I can exercise by having the encumberment, quote unquote, of owning, right? Having this big nucleus of everything. Uh-huh. Now I have four freedoms that are afforded to me by this. I, this is so good. I think more freedoms, good. right? Maybe maybe freedom of direction the... is a great summary statement because what? Freedom of direction. Freedom of direction is a great yeah. summary statement. Because I, I will yeah. tell you when I said, you know, it's a positive ten, a negative ten to be an associate, it's a positive hundred, negative hundred potential as an entrepreneur, as an owner. The truth is, is the you're more likely because of the freedom of direction to justify the bad days. And they, you can flip them into good days because you're like, great, I'm building something. But if you are just an associate or you sold off to private equity and you have a bad day, what are you justifying? Right. Mm. Just like, ah, it's a job. I'm doing what I can. Right. You're doing your time. Right. Dwight, you're putting in the time because someone gave you a check. You're putting in the three years. You're counting the days until you're out of jail, so to speak. Yes. Yes. And opportunity is what wow. I think is the key to that freedom of direction is just like, hey, I'm having a bad day. And yeah, it's probably worse. Like I had an associate ask me yesterday or walked by. He was like, hey, I just heard like what the last three people just walked in and asked you to make like just a random opinion on. One of it was like concealed carry in the office. Are employees allowed to have concealed carry? The kind of topics that we have in Texas, right? Or <laughs> things like that, right? And we're going down these things. And he just gave me knuckles. He was like, so glad I'm not making those decisions right now. Or not so glad that's not like in between my patients, you know, or whatever. And it made me laugh. Seems but, pretty awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but for you and I, it's like a direct conversation related to that. I could also not answer any of those because I have freedom to just be like, eh, not a topic I really want to tackle today. But yeah, or just no, right? The freedom yeah, to say no. no. Moving on. Yes. It doesn't really matter. And yep. so that's the freedom of it, as opposed to being told, hey, by the way, here's the protocol. This is what you have to comply with. This is how it works. And that could turn into a kind of a daily bad day. But I have no opportunity to change it. I have no You're right, students. I think one of the, one of the things, well, I mean, Pete, that you talk about the four, four freedoms of direction in that regard, that's essentially how you build your lifestyle. 
I mean, you're, you can design your lifestyle based on how you want to design your business. And those freedoms and those levers you get to pull can directly correlate to how you want to live your life. And that is dramatic in terms of being able to escape the, the, the hamster wheel that, that people feel like they're on where they're working to live. And now you can flip that on its head and, and, you know, go down that live to work, that live to work path. Um, but you, you end up with when you, well, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this on that thought. I have never, I just wrote a letter to a doc that went and bought her own practice. And it was very congratulatory with the, with one, you know, big theme in there that I think is very good that I was mentioning from my own experience. And as I've learned more about myself building a business than any other aspect of what I've done, it was the greatest education I've ever had. Very good. Because I am able to pull those levers in whatever, whatever order in whatever direction and as, as far as I want. So it, it allows me to, to make mistakes, to trip over my dick or genitalia as Pete wants to call it. <laughs> <laughs> genitalia. Tripping over but, uh, genitalia. <laughs> but you get to, you get to make those mistakes and no one's over your yeah. shoulder saying, yeah. why did you do this? Yeah. What happened? Instead you're saying, man, I fucked up. Yeah. How do I learn from it? And how do I take that and be better next time? So that's it. I don't know, my own ass. I need to figure yeah. that out. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that is so good. The concept that you are a better person than you've ever been because you had to struggle through some of those things. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're battling in our personal lives that are easier decisions or we're more able to weather those storms because we've weathered some things in our business. I think that's brilliant. I think that's so true. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, really, I, I mean, I could go over the cons, but we've kind of, we've kind of illustrated the cons and by advantages of being the pros in the first con. So it's like, you know, you're feeling unbalanced. The cons may be like just to not selling is that you're feeling unbalanced from an equity situation, meaning the majority of your, of your net worth is wrapped up in an asset that you are uncomfortable from quote unquote, back to Dwight's example, uncertain times, the Bruce Barrett example, uncertain times, you don't know what's coming. We never know it's freaking coming. By the way, but you're you're concerned because 95% of your net worth potentially is wrapped up in this juggernaut practice you built. I get it. So too many eggs in one basket. Um, your your cons of not selling, but you're too stressed and you're overwhelmed because of you're the nucleus of everything. Um, and then then I have retirement age on here because I think there's pros and cons to both. Like we talked about the early advantage, but in the late scenario, you don't have the time value of money anymore. You don't have, you know, so you better just, it's just the, the, the basket of money that someone's giving you. You don't have the power of compound, compounding interest. Um, that's true. So I said over those, right? What did you say? So that's true, but you have a cash producing asset. So when you learn to unlock the asset, even at the retirement age, it can travel on indefinitely. Right. And because of that, why sell the practice, invest it to draw cash coming out? When you the interesting thing is like selling, we think of selling as being the only liquidity event that's available here. And, and Dwight, you la you're both smiling and laughing big. If you can't see this, it's like, it's not this zero, it's not this hundred percent or zero percent, right? Like I have fractionally allowed investment in my practice eight times with eight different partners and eight different entities. I have lots of partners because I like riding with people. I'd like Dwight to your point. I like yeah. collaborating, like, right. Like I got this, you do that divide and conquer. Let's, let's do it. 
right? Let me be, let me, let me focus on what I'm good at. You focus at what you're good at and let's go, let's go optimize for each other, so to speak. Right. And so there are many ways to liquidity events, partial liquidity events. Just, I guess what I'm trying to say is in, in closing, if you're selling entire kit and caboodle, be careful because back to Trey's line, it's probably not set up to benefit you. Absolutely. Without a doubt. If I'm adding one last item to that, please. You know, in our industry, a lot of ego and a lot of roostering and all like banging our chest about what we've done. Mm-hmm. And this is why everybody hears about all the glory stories of selling and taking two bites of the apple and this and that. But I, I know Pete and I, for example, we've talked about friends of ours and people we know that the story was the exact opposite. Right. Um, others who fully invested said, no, I'll put all the stock in or I'll put the majority of what you're buying me out in and ended up collapsing, going right. the other direction. And that's not a fear tactic. That's me literally saying that like with all business, there's a full gambit of potential risk that comes along with that. And I think it's really, really important. The only people who are yelling from the hilltops about selling is because they have a really good experience. Right. But I know some people who are getting back into the business because they lost everything right. trying to sell. Yelling from the they gave control. They gave the keys to the kingdom to someone else and someone lit that kingdom on fire. Right. Yeah. And they and they still had some they still had some equity in that castle, so to speak. Correct. Um, right. And and you're right, we do have a couple examples of mutual friends who have like ha- they're having to get back in. Like Trey said, having to play catch up sucks. Have distant seconds. Having to play catch up late in your career because you made a potentially catastrophic decision yeah. where you gave the control, you have no one to blame because you're not in control. So now you're just hoping and praying things go well. And that myself, my, that personally would be more of a stressful and anxiety ridden situation than, oh my gosh, I am the nucleus of everything. Yeah. Meaning my future was predicated on the decisions of someone else versus I can need to implement and orchestrate my way out of this temporary problem that I have of being the nucleus of everything. And, it, and the answer yes. is no, like the answer is optimizing, working every day to get yourself out of the situation of being the nucleus, not because you don't love dentistry. People hear me loud and clear. It's because it's incumbent upon you to focus on things that you are sustainable doing and that wakes you up. And then you keep, makes you keep your, you have to keep yourself in bed in the morning. You wake up and you're like, Oh my God, stay in bed. I know the alarm hasn't gone off yet. You're just so excited to start your day. When you hit that, that's where the good shit, that's what we just do that forever. <laughs> but keep in yeah. mind to to put my last little pin in it uh, or my last little spin on it. It is this is in vogue right now. What's in vogue? Selling. Is it? Yes. I feel like it's shifting back, Trey. Maybe that's my own no, confirmational bias. It I think that is your confirmation bias. Okay. What you're always finding is you're finding that everybody is discussing it. And why is everybody discussing it? Because everyone else is discussing it. It's an option on the table right now because you're in the right industry in the right time where we have consolidation and now you have opportunity, so-called, that is is presented to you. But the one thing when you really start to dig deep and sit down with people and start questioning them, none of them understand what's going on. So you have a lot of fear of missing out more so than you have a, a legitimate, well-thought-out, due diligence-performed decision saying, this is the best option for me. And, and that's why... Yes, you have people shouting from the hilltops. It worked out for them. 
But nobody's standing around shouting from the hilltops saying it didn't. And the vast majority of people I spoke, I've spoken to because of shame, you're saying, yeah, they're not out there going, you know, they're not getting on. This is terrible. I lost everything. I wish I'd never done it. By the way, I love you, investors. Don't sue me. Don't sue me. You don't hear the, you don't hear the negatives. It's, it's the bad shit that that goes goes you know swept under the rug and no one's really out there voicing it make sure you do due diligence on it and there's there are certainly situations where a sell is a great option it and, might and it sense. is perfect if it makes sense if i would say that's the right. exception rather than the rule i agree okay. i agree okay. i Why, think that's 100 percent correct agree you would agree agree yeah. except you're right for certain situations like we've illustrated it might make sense and i'm not saying don't ever do it i'm just saying like stop it yeah, like honestly, like I used to, I used to get forwarded all these solicitation emails from from PE, and some of them were like, oh, this is cool. You know, it feels nice to be wanted. You know, one a week yeah. come in, somebody like, oh, I'll talk to this person, see what they have to say. I literally instructed Kim. I was like, shut that. Down. Don't ever, not maybe not. Don't ever. Don't don't send me any more emails from those people. I don't want to. I don't even want to see them because I don't give a shit because it can't be sweet enough. It can't be sweet enough. No. I, I mean, I guess realistically, could it? Sure, but like within reality it can't be sweet enough based on the sweetness of the situation that we have here going back to the four freedoms the freedom to do whatever we want or me and my partners have the freedom to do whatever we want in the practice and if and it that, was if it was that sweet of a deal <laughs> do you know what the expectations are yeah right well no it's not quoting a friend of ours who was like i yeah. thought oh yeah we can do that and then they disrupted my whole team i lost my whole team and then there was no way i was hitting those expectations on. on a year-to-year basis for me to get my the rest of my buyout, and I got forty percent of what I was promised. Yep, that stuff happens. So the sweeter the deal. Listen, these these people have gone to business school. They run businesses in every industry enterprise out there. These are consolidators, right? This is um, Trey. You have anything else in close before we uh, before I tip off the uh, just. Announcements and things like that. Anything else in closing? I think that was great. I think that was great. I think all we can do is dilute the points at this point, guys. That was great. Honestly, I I gotta say this, and I know I make jokes a lot. I, that was one of my favorite, most favorite pods, and I'm sorry that Craig wasn't here, kind of because uh, it ducks. I mean, Craig's getting some vitamin D right now on vacation, um, and I'm sorry he wasn't here for that because I think that was going to be very transformative. And I've gotten lots of cool feedback from a lot of dentists, direct message and stuff like that from like that that. You know, uh, even reps that kind of recommend this to dentists because it, it's helping a lot of people. So if you're one of those people, like definitely give us feedback because that's kind of some oxygen for us. Uh, other thing is, and I'm not sure we've been doing a good job promoting, but the summit is open. Yeah, it's evolving. I mean, maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe some of the bumpers within the ad. Uh, summit's evolving. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be in Vegas. The format is different. If you've been to one, it's not going to be the same. Exciting speakers, exciting curriculum, more team building, more team collaboration, more team accountability, bringing your team. Uh, it's in the fabulous win. We have the entire theater, which is which is quite the uh, quite the bar. Crazy, right? It's evolved from a little little uh, first time we ever did a summit. Big time, bro. In a little, it was in a little St. Regis room at uh, in Atlanta, and now it's evolved into the theater at uh, the win. Which is cool because I know we've talked about this. The win is spectacular in Vegas. Bring your team. The room rates are 250 bucks, which if you go on Expedia right now, they're like a thousand bucks or they were, um, which is just a no brainer. So the rooms will definitely sell out. (laughs) Yeah. The rooms will, it might be hard to sell out the theater of the, uh, the win, but 
the room block that we have, I think we have, uh, you know, uh, 250 rooms, 300 rooms, room nights, but uh, it will go fast. It will go fast. And they're already, the supply is already done. So again, check it out. Bulletproofsummit.com. Um, like I said, Randy's going to speak. Dwight, you're speaking. Trey, I'm sure we're going to have you on stage a tremendous amount. Um, I'm, I'm there to look good. That's right. I'm the, I'm the face of the organization. You're what yeah. we call bulletproof eye candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know why y'all have me here. Um, yeah. There's going to be a startup. Trey Miller, who's kind of, a, you know, been our unicorn startup in the mastermind. He, he and, and Bonner are going to be having a startup kind of like evolution speech, which I think is just awesome. So good. Um, Dwight, I'm going to push you in to kind of have a KPI talk because we had a great yeah. one today in the mastermind office hours, like evolving into making it simple, not, not yeah. more complex. Yeah. Um, so again, I know it's six months away, but do not hesitate because these early bird things are going to go away. The rooms are going to go away. Don't delay and think that like this can be available forever. So, cause it's not going to be great, man. Um, and that's it guys. That was all. I know we're kind of pushing up against, against 80 minutes now looking at my, at my counter and, and, uh, it felt like the time worth it that's a that's a huge topic i don't think there are very many topics that need that much oxygen but that one does well you know dwight i have a sweaty back because i i was going of the mindset of trying to break things into multiple episodes of pods where they get too long and i was like no let's listen to a long pod in a long format and then and then we started getting crushed on youtube comments like what are you guys trying to do like this guy's method of like you know trying to optimize for clicks yeah. and shit yeah, shit yeah, yeah, yeah. like no i just was trying to optimize for efficiency that it's a lot to take in so we are no longer will i post in in part one and part two hear me loud and clear thank you mr who made that recommendation <laughs> i can um, appreciate that let it hear you loud and clear loud and clear um i can appreciate and we need to do a better job i also got some feedback we need to do a better job because there's four of us of not talking over each other Right? Yeah, because we all have good stuff to say. <laughs> Trace, like, fuck you. <laughs> I told y'all a long time ago. You're like, you should talk more. I was like, if I talk more, I'll fuck your whole podcast. So I got <laughs> people talking over each other. So I figure I will be the voice fucking reason here to stay quiet. Plus, I'm right, and all of y'all are wrong. So that is my real issue. This I got to be quiet because I let I let Craig interrupt you, Pete. It's just too much fun to watch y'all do it. I just. Uh, you and I are like animals clasping for oxygen. Like, let me talk, let me talk, let me talk. Um, I, I'm here to watch. I'm here to that's watch. Funny. That's Content funny. Content is king. I love this concept, though, because these are the types of pods that we need. And same yeah. thing goes. Long for, format. Yeah, these are good yeah, things. Format yeah, perfect. I think a lot of what the long form stuff to us, it, it gets you deeper into the topic on yeah, things that typically aren't discussed. There you go. Yeah. Even you it go. takes you a few days to like scroll through it because you're driving to work or whatever, like. You're listening to it as you go, but it's a lot of content. It just is. And these are the concepts that are being talked about. So we need it. We, we, I know I need it. This was great for me. Good. We, we Same. ourselves need that reminder Same. of like, Hey, it's like when we did our predictions podcast, it's like, let's think about what's coming this year. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stop and think about it. So this is great. Hi, right, brothers. See besties. Great time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on another episode, and we'll see you next time.